Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the game The Forest. And as always, spoilers ahead. The Forest is both a single-player and multiplayer survival horror game that follows a father's rescue mission after a severe plane crash. This game was officially released on Steam on April 30th of 2018 by the company End Night Games, but it was in early release for a few years prior to that. The game was fairly successful, selling about 5 million copies by the end of 2018. But the story of the forest is not over yet because they are planning on a sequel called Sons of the Forest, which is currently in production with the release date assumed to be sometime in 2021, which I am really excited for. Now, is that like the current thing or was that like they were already doing that, but COVID happened, so it might be later now? From every source that I'm finding, they they never actually gave a release date. It's still just speculated to be 2021 from every source gotcha. that I'm finding. Yeah, and as you kind of said a little bit earlier of like what the force is, is like the survival horror game. So pretty much like in this game, you crash in the plane and you're tasked to find your son, Timmy. And then that's really all what the game is. You <laughs> try to survive in the forest and find your son and get off the island. It's a very self-explanatory game. There's like, that's yeah. basically the description. There's really <laughs> nothing else to add to it. Like, there's like, normally we have like a synopsis for you guys, but I mean, that's basically it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so one of the main inspirations for this game was the 80s Italian cannibal film, Cannibal Holocaust. But after development started to take off, the game eventually evolved into what it is now today, which happens with a lot of games. They have a sole inspiration and they branch off from it. So that's kind of what happened with this. But another key feature that inspired the game's direction was the lack of missions. Anyone who who has played The Forest will quickly realize that the game has no true direction despite having a storyline. The only objective given is search for Timmy. But there is no mini-map, no waypoints or quest markers. You must learn to survive and search all on your own using only your wit and resources to survive. Yeah, using only my wit may be not the best idea for a game. <laughs> but hey, somehow I still managed. <laughs> <laughs> so as we've already kind of stated a few different times, the game starts off with an unexpected plane crash that leaves the player stranded on a peninsula. To make the crash landing worse, your son has gone missing. Uh, you seem to be the only survivor. Now, to kind of clarify, as your son gets missing, you kind of wake up a little bit before you pass out again and see that he's actually like been kidnapped. So kidnapped, missing, 
kind of the same difference. So the game starts you off on your journey with a few uh, essentials. Some food, drink, medicine, and a small axe. This is all you need to start your survival. The axe can be used as both a weapon and a tool for either chopping down some trees, getting rid of some shrubs here and there. They will both give you materials you will need to help start a basic camp. Yeah, and one thing, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory what you do with an axe, but I feel like when I first started, everything I did was not what you were supposed to do with an axe. I went, I opened some suitcases, which I think (laughs) that's actually what you're supposed to do. You open the suitcases with them. But then I would go and I would go fish because there's so you start near like a pond. So I go and I'd smack some fish and kill them. And then I'd try to chase down some lizards and deer. It's like it's an axe, but I'm doing everything but chopping wood. So that's how I started off the game. It's like a Swiss army knife. Yeah. But just an axe. <laughs> yeah. So from there, you kind of start to notice that you're not alone on this peninsula. You're frequently observed from afar from what appears to be the natives of this land. At first, it seems like you're just being observed, but it turns out to be a little more than that because they slowly start getting closer and closer. And it starts to get a little uncomfortable because you're like, yo, like, buy me dinner first. So (laughs) they finally realize, like, Once you're not worth observing anymore, they attack you unless you attack them first. They will eventually attack you. And after killing them for the first time, you're given a few options that you discover on your own, of course, because there is no direction to this game. So you can pick up the bodies and move them away. So say you killed them by your camp. You could just scuffle them along, hide them in some bushes, do whatever you need to do. Or you throw them in a fire, and eventually they'll burn up and give you some bones, and you can figure out what to do with those bones. Or you could do something a little more sinister, which if you have your axe out still, and say you're hacking at them, like you just kill them. They're on the ground, but you want to make sure they're dead, so you just start hacking away at them. You might notice the arms and legs start to detach. And if you keep hitting them, they will fully separate and then you have the option to pick up said arm or leg. So once you do, what you do with them is your choice. You could equip them and use them to beat other cannibals with as weapons. Or you could put them on your fire and use them as food. The choice is yours. It is survival after all. So you got to do what you got to do. Hey, hey. Now you forget you can also put it on the drying rack. Oh, yeah, yeah. For you don't food want, as well. If you don't want charred meat, you can have nice leg jerky. <laughs> and don't forget you could also cut off its head and use it for various things oh, as of well. Course. Yes, never forget the head. For the moment of your first kill, you you realize are they the cannibals or are you the cannibal, <laughs> right. depending on what you did. <laughs> so on top of disposing of the bodies. You have also another option you have of using the bodies, and that is to use them as bait for traps. Because some of the observation of the natives, you might discover that they are attracted to them. This is because they are indeed cannibals. Using the bodies as bait can be very advantageous when setting them up, when setting them up near traps. 
And that will give you more buys for either more traps or, you know, maybe put some on the drying rack. Maybe have a couple dedicated to the drying rack <laughs> so you have one set for arms, one set for legs. You know, whatever you kind of feel. We don't judge here. Yeah, I mean, we really have no room to judge because when we were playing, we had six drying racks. And I'd probably say about four of the six were dedicated to arms and legs. So we really can't judge you if you decide to eat a few here or there. I just want to put it out there that I think for a while, I was the only person actually trying to hunt to get other food than the arms and legs. When you guys were like, nah, this is easier. What's the point? Because like the lizards, they give you enough food for like to fill up half your hunger bar. And same with the rabbits. So, I mean, you could kill deer, but the deer are so annoying to kill that there's it just becomes more of a nuisance. So, why hunt for food when the food's coming to you, you know? And we had so many arms and legs that we actually couldn't go through them because the drying rack food was going bad. When you have, like, beef jerky that's going bad, that's how you know you have too much food. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. Why would you? Why would you hunt when they're coming to you? Not to uh, <laughs> mention, we may have uh, had maybe had to make two bone, yeah, holder things yeah, because we also had a lot of bodies. Yeah, we we started to dispose of the bodies because we couldn't keep up with the food supply, so we just burned them. And once you burned them, you got a large amount of bones. We started to have so many bones that we had a bone basket and we would fill that up and we just kept overflowing the bone basket we had way too many so we were we we're kind of fucked up we even had a whole armor stand full of bone armor and we yeah. still had a full bone basket it's just, they just kept coming to us I, I so i don't know if this is actual actually how the game works or if this is just a theory of mine because i haven't confirmed this but i think the more you hunt and kill the cannibals, the more likely they are to attack you. So it's like a vicious cycle because you kill, they attack, you kill, they attack. Whereas if you were to somehow scare them away with like effigies and stuff, maybe they would chill out a little bit. Don't know. But maybe we just had a vicious cycle coming to us. See, I thought my theory was the fact that we had six drying racks of dead body parts. Yeah, and they, if we're eating them and they're already the cannibals, they probably go... <laughs> Mm, I smell food. Is that Frank? <laughs> I think that might also be yeah. partial why they kept attacking as well. There's definitely that. That definitely could be a thing. Aside from killing cannibals and eating their flesh, there's a little more to the game than that. Uh, I mean, you can build your base. You you can establish walls and build log cabins and a bunch of traps. You can have a lot that you can do for base building. But there's also exploration. With natural exploration and base building, you come across effigies and villages all over the world. And these are most likely bases for cannibals, but they're always empty and littered with supplies. I think they're empty just because of that's how the game's designed, because they just spawn randomly throughout the world. But the lore's there. I think they built their own little bases 
but the cannibals are usually close by when you do find these effigies in villages, normally just exploring the landscape. But among some of these effigies, you might even find some caves. And caves are almost always worth exploring because they're filled with crafting supplies, rare items, and even objects that might help you in your search for your son. You, but you better be careful when searching for in the caves because they're usually filled with more cannibals. And you may run into some mutant babies, maybe Armsy, Virginia, or maybe even the Cowman, which we will get into a little bit later on who those are. Um, we'll get into more details, but these are cannibals, but they're mutated in a very unique way. They resemble humans, but they're kind of uh, fucked up. And they normally spawn in caves. So while caves have high reward, they also have pretty high risks because these guys are not to be fucked with. Before we actually get down to talking about each one of these, because we will, just for the audience listening, quick question for you. Guess what Armsies is about, or guess what that <laughs> one's gonna look like? Hmm, Armsy. I'm gonna assume it has a lot of legs. No, nope, it has twenty thousand eyes. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> While you may find some caves and villages during the exploration. You know, while you're, like, walking around, you might find a little itty-bitty huge asshole in the map. I almost said where it was, but I was trying not to. But, yeah. <laughs> so, this is just this giant-ass hole. And it's called the sinkhole. And so, technically... There are about seven to eight different ways to get down, but <laughs> there is also technically one true way you are in the reach it, and that is to go through Cave 7. And just so you know, no, the caves aren't marked, so good luck. Yeah, it's not like, I guess in the wiki and stuff they have labels and everything for them, but you won't come up to a cave and be like, oh. That's Cave 7, unless you know which one Cave 7 actually is. That's what I'm surprised about, because when you go in the cave, when you get your to-do list, it will be like, explore wet cave, explore lawyer's cave. Like, why didn't in the mm -hmm. wiki they just say, oh, Cave 7, or right. known they as... names in the game. Yeah, why? also known why as whatever go... cave it is. I don't yeah. even remember what cave it is. I don't know. Technically, I, I didn't even go in that cave, so... <laughs> I would have no idea. I don't even know where the cave entrance is, actually. Yeah, your dumbass just fell. <laughs> I think, I've, I believe, if it's the one I remember, it's northwest of the sinkhole. If you go almost, like, at the, if you're at the far western point of the sinkhole, of the little circle, you go directly north and, like, slightly to uh, west, uh, you'll run into the the cave because i had the map so i knew once we wikied it what cave entrance it was but yeah it's not too far from the sinkhole to be honest <laughs> but while you're down there 
You have to fight through your way, of course, through the normal cannibals, the crawlers, the pale ones that are, like, are just buffed up ones, I guess? Yeah. They look like they have silver poisoning because they're just blue. I was going to say, aren't they? Those are the ones that are, like, tinted blue, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, technically they're called pale ones or, like, pale mutants. I wonder if... Anyways, we'll, we can, we'll dive more into that later. Yeah. And then you'll even reach some armsies. But once you finally make it to the base, you're reward with nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there is a crash helicopter that will bestow upon you a machete. And to be honest, I mean, yeah, you can't block with it. But I never blocked in the first place, so I thought this <laughs> weapon was freaking amazing because... Such a good weapon. Yeah, because by the time... Because you can craft spears. By the time you hit someone once with, like, a spear, I kid you not, you probably could slice the dude three times. For sure two, if not three times, by the time you hit this dude once with a machete or the spear. So I loved it. It sucks that you don't get it. To, well, if you're going storyline, you don't get it to, like, end game if you keep on exploring. Mm-hmm. Because if you go further beyond, the mysterious beyond, <laughs> there's another cave entrance, which will eventually lead you to a modern door. Now, this door is only accessible if you found the correct cave that has a pile of bodies in it. And among the bodies is a key card that grants you access. So as you go to the like modern door, it's either at that door or during the cave to that you find a picture with an X on it of like a whole bunch of dead bodies. And it's basically telling you, oh, you have to go here and that's where the mm-hmm. key card is. If I'm not mistaken, I think we found that in like the very first cave we explored. Yeah. Yeah, it did not take us very long to find that. I don't even know what cave it was. We we just made base, and then we're like, huh, we should go try to explore one of these. We thought, <laughs> we like over-prepared for the first one, but it yes. scared the living shit out of us, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, if I'm not mistaken, we found the key card at like the very first, we just got lucky and found the key card. Of course, we didn't know what to do with it, but yeah, we found the key card on our like first cave. It was pretty nice because we're like, what the hell is a key card here for? Yeah, little did we know. Yeah, let's not mention that the reason why you fell down that sinkhole, though. <laughs> I was just looking. Yeah, you, you You know what it reminds me of? I don't know if you remember. This is a Gen 1 Pokemon episode of Kangaskhan Kid where the father takes the baby outside of the helicopter and he's holding him and then he drops him. And the mother's freaking out, and the father's like, don't worry, he's only trying to get a closer look. <laughs> That's exactly what this reminds me of. Oh, well, don't worry. I was. I was throwing some flares down, seeing if I could light it up, and eventually I just got a little too close. Which I thought was funny, because the like the flares only went down so far, and then hit like this invisible floor and would not go down further. It like, got yeah. there, and it was just like, yeah, we ain't going to go all the way down. We're too lazy for that. We're going to stop right here. Yeah, I want. I don't know why I did that. I'm assuming it was just game code that after you throw them and they go a certain distance, they stop moving. But I thought the floor was much closer than I thought. And I'm just like, oh, that's kind of cool. And it was much farther than I expected. 
You're just lucky. How many meds did you actually use? I only used two, I think, or three. Really? Now, did you actually yeah. use meds or the healing? Yeah, I crafting? used meds. I used them. No matter how much damage I took, I took a med. So the first time I fell, I only lost about half health, but I didn't want to fall and lose it again. So I waited till I was full health again. And at one point, I did almost die. Like, I had a sliver of health left, so it was really lucky that it didn't. But I used the med kits and or the, the medicine and just kept going. I think I only used two or three. Technically, they even say that's a way to go. That's the, that's the speedrunner's way to go down mm-hmm. there. Yeah, so since that was out of the way and uh, I got to share my experience of being a klutz, we can now enter this door using the key card. So after using it, the door opens up and you're presented with a hallway that kind of throws you off a little bit because at this point, you're most likely hours into the gameplay of this. So you are familiar with forests, caves, plane wreckage, and nature. So you would never really have expected a modern-day contemporary hallway leading to rooms that would probably best be described as, like, modern and welcoming, aside for, like, the experiment rooms. But, like, just, like, the break room and the cafeteria and stuff, pretty welcoming. Compared to what you're used to, at least. This only intrigues you more as you enter and explore your environment because this establishment is so far from what you're used to. Upon further exploration, you kind of discover a grim truth behind what you're seeing. You stumble upon hallways filled with glass walls that look into children's rooms that are designed like nurseries and, and just happy little rooms for kids to play in and sleep in. But there's also these lifeless deformities beyond the glass that can only be recognized as once human. And as you explore, you find offices and break rooms and even meeting rooms where you can find collectibles that give you more clues into what is going on here, including magazines that refer to a device that says things like, does this device bring people back to life and revive the dead? Then you start to learn about inhumane experimentation and you start to piece together what the true goal of this facility was. Not to mention throughout, I think partial in the forest as well, you find a camcorder and then you can watch some. So throughout the forest, you can find a camcorder and then you can find some tapes. And then in them, you can watch many little evidence or whatever you want to call it pretty much the stuff for the lore what i said kind of like documentation yeah and stuff for the lore and all this fun jazz and you start see some stuff that actually happens like you actually witness an rmz break out of its place which you actually find that exact rmz in the lab and you start to like piece together everything from there, and then it's just like, at first you like you knew it was like a horror game because of the cannibals and everything, but then it's like once you slowly start piecing everything together, you're just like, holy shit! So as you're making your way into the lab, this is kind of the tipping point, the climax, where the game starts to take a turn. 
that can kind of depend on your morals and true nature. And saying that loud makes me question our true nature, <laughs> seeing the ending we kind of both chose with almost no hesitation. Yeah, it was kind of bad. Taylor was the only one that was like, guys, are we really doing? Okay, whatever, fuck it. <laughs> so we stumble upon this room with a large artifact in it. And the artifact we can see is referenced in the magazine we found. And also throughout the entire lab, you see like documentations of it and like a whole bunch of equations and all this stuff. And so we open it. And again, in case you're listening to this still and don't realize there are spoilers ahead. If you truly want to play this game and experience the lore for yourself... Honestly, stop listening at this point. <laughs> Skip ahead like 15 minutes. But, because I warned you. <laughs> so you get to the artifact, you open up, and you finally find your son, Timmy. Of course, he's dead. He was in this contraction that has like all these spikes. Like you actually pull him off a spike. And... We, like, grab his lifeless body, and as the parent you are, you kind of, like, are going through your moment, and you lay him down on this table that can, like, check for, like, vital signs or something, but then you happen to, like, attach one of the tubes, and then it's, like, it says, like, connection one of four, or, like, kind of gives you the showing that, oh, wait, something might happen, so you start putting all the things in, and then it goes, hey, now, like, with all the controls, a sacrifice is needed. So you realize Timmy was used to sacrifice for something, like, to bring him back to life. So Timmy's life was forfeit. So now you have to go and find a sacrifice. So now we end up going further into this lab and you find this young girl just sitting in the middle of this large room, just coloring. Red and flag number one. Yeah. When you see a, a lone kid in a large room, I in think that's... a facility that should... that's in a mountain <laughs> with nobody in sight. Who seems to be healthy. That should throw numerous red, red flags at you. And so we go and talk to this little girl. And yeah, would you uh, you want to take the honors on this one? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so we go and we talk to her. And upon reaching her, she s collapses and starts having some sort of seizure. While having the seizure, a un human life form starts to morph out of her she then turns into this creature similar but not similar to the creatures that you may we may have fought along the way like armsy and virginia and the cowman she turns into this almost spider-like creature with multiple insect-like legs and she just goes on a rampage and she was very powerful and you must do everything you can to stop her because she is the host that you need. And you obviously don't want to die. So we 
fight this grotesque creature that takes a long time. She is extremely powerful. And upon killing her, she kind of just like explodes. Like all the limbs that she just grew explode and she is left there on the floor dead. So we pick her up and we take her back to the artifact. Which then when we insert her into it, she's obviously lifeless already. We try to activate it and the artifact tells us that we need a living host. Which of course is the last thing we want because we just want our son back at this point. So this takes us deeper into the facility to kind of figure out what we can do to get this living host. Upon exploring, we find ourselves going up an elevator to the top of the facility, to the observatory. We enter the observatory and we see this large spherical artifact on the ceiling, kind of like humming with power. And we come across two computers in the front of the observatory. One computer states, three compatible hosts found, and shows a picture of a plane with three images of children's faces. And the other computer displays emergency shutdown. Here's where we're faced with the moral dilemma, because either we can use the device at hand and take down the plane, similar to what happened to us, as we can predict, or as we can assume. And we could take one of those children and end this by bringing Tommy back, Timmy back to life, moving on. Or we can end it by shutting it down and walking away. The choice is yours, and it will trigger t- two different endings. So it just depends on what type of morals you have. One thing, I'm glad I'm not the only one that confuses his name and says Tommy instead of Timmy. Yeah, you know, in a little bit, I, I'll discuss what, because there's a little bit of critique that I want to hit up later after we describe the endings. And I'll explain why that, the why I think we always confuse Timmy with Tommy, not just because the names are similar. Gotcha. But I always call him Tommy. It's just, I feel like Tommy is just a, more casual name like it's easier than timmy don't know why i feel like it is too but this is kind of going back to where we were for where we kind of had no hesitation to be honest with you the before taylor even pointed it out i didn't even realize there was an emergency shutdown i just saw this is like yep this is what we need to do didn't question it i was just like (laughs) okay i'm like it happened to us now let's repeat this cycle let's go I think it was purposeful that they put the second computer off to the side of the room. So your initial reaction is to trigger the plane to come down. Because that is the main storyline, like the true storyline of this game. Because of Sons of the Forest, I believe, will take place with Timmy. Like you as Timmy or something like that. So I think that's the true... Describing the endings and you're already spoiling it. Yeah, I know, I know. But I think that's the true ending, and then the other one's just a side ending. Well, yeah, it is the true ending, because that's the only way you can beat the game. (laughs) The other way you can't beat the game. (laughs) No, technically you beat the game, because they even give you an achievement for staying on the island. Oh, really? Yeah, right when you exit the cave at the very end. Sorry, spoilers. (laughs) We need to just describe the ending, then we can talk about it. Okay, so 
the ending is the first true ending is you use the artifact and you see this plane come crashing down and then it kind of fades to black and goes one year later and then you're on this like talk show host and you have your son timmy with you but you see him like twitching a little bit kind of like what happened with the girl at the end and so you're on this talk show host and eventually the guy goes hey why don't you show us how you cut some trees down in the forest because you know everyone wants to go see someone cut a log because apparently no one else can do that and it's amazing <laughs> that you did that on an, an island when you had an axe but anyways at, right before you go swinging your axe at the thing everyone in the audience freaks out and then your kid starts convulsing and does its little thing that the girl did now if you played it during early access that is where the game ended I found that out. So if you played during early access, that's when the game ended. And that causes a lot of theories as to what happened. Because as that happens, like right before the ending continues, you pull up your axe and then that's when it fades to black. So apparently it's kind of like almost three endings. But now that it's officially done, we see that he kind of puts his axe away and then he goes and holds his child and then eventually the convulsion stops and he looks up at him like his eyes come back and he doesn't change. Well, then now it does another fade to black. I don't. Does it tell us how how long between this span and the next scene is or no? No, we just know he's older. So the next thing you see is you see first you just see the arms and you see a guy like brushing his teeth. And then he looks up in the mirror and bam, you're Timmy. But an older version of Timmy. And you see him drinking. And he sits on his bed. And he looks up. And you see all this like. Almost like conspiracy theory. Notes on it. And then a big sign. That says Site B. And then as you go. Take another swig. And you go to look at the window. All of a sudden your arms start bulging. And, like, all this craziness starts, like, happening. Like, this bulge goes up and down your arms and then fades to black. And that's how it ends. Thus, leading into the sequel, The Son of the Forest. Presumably, the son of the forest of the original is going to go (laughs) see Site B and see, like, what the hell is wrong with him. Exactly. So, the other ending isn't quite as exhilarating because you shut down the plane and you leave. And that's basically it. You walk out and you basically give up on reviving Timmy because it's kind of fucked up to bring your son back to life after what he's probably gone through. So then, uh, yeah, you get to live your life and explore the, the forest some more. Yeah, but we so, didn't do that. Yeah, I was going to say, so that leads to what we did. Without hesitation, Bobby and I were basically, all right, let's shut this plane down. We're like, let's bring this plane down. Like, let's crash it. Oh, Taylor okay. was the only one that had a conscience. He's like, wait, guys, there's an emergency shutdown. And I'm just like, 
cool. Nah. Let's bring that on this plane. And she's like, we're not going <sighs> to do the emergency shutdown. We're like, no. <laughs> and she's like, okay. She's like, fine. I'll do it. Whatever. So moral. Yeah. So the moral of our story, don't be stuck on an island with just me and Joshua. <laughs> yes. Cause we will, we'll bring a plane down if we have to. <laughs> Taylor would be the only one with the rational mind be like, wait, guys, <laughs> we should maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah. So th- that leads me to wanting to talk about a little bit of expectations and critiques of this game. And one thing I want to ask you, Bobby, is did you expect there to be an actual story of this game? To be honest with not. you, absolutely not. <laughs> I thought... Like, so when I say there was no story, I didn't think there was really going to be, like, a storyline. Obviously, I knew we had to go, like, find our son or whatever. And I was, I had no idea it was going to end up like that. That mm-hmm. ending, like, in a science lab or anything. Obviously, as we started piecing together some things, I, like, it, like I said, immediately when we got the key card... And, like, there was all, like, we started seeing a lot of, like, scientists. I was like, oh, okay. Some experiment happened. That explains why there's these mutants. Like, I kind of could infer based on, like, other things I had. But, like, for story purposes, I literally thought this was more going to be, like, a survival horror game. Like, Mm -hmm. you just build a base. You, like, if you ever wanted to end the game, you go find your son. But it was mostly just going to be build a base and fight off against the mutants and kind of just like see how long you can live. And then maybe have like sprinkle lore here and there as to like why the mutants are here and there. Like it was just going to be kind of like background stuff, like just to give the game a little bit flavor. If you like know what I mean, nothing like this in depth to where once like once we got to the lab and like everything was just like hitting my brain at once and i'm just like like if when i was streaming i uh, when i first got i'm just like wow like i'm just like everything's everything we saw everything all of a sudden it it was like jimmy Uchan going like brain blast and i'm just like that's what happened and just like in awe and shock and everything. Yeah, that's basically what I thought as well. Because I played this game for like three or four years on and off. Like when it was still in early release. And I didn't do much more than explore a few caves and killed a few cannibals and built a base. But with the few hours of starting gameplay that we played together... We progressed in such a quick way that I learned that this was definitely not true and we surpassed the progress I have made in the past couple of years I've played this game. I thought the game was originally just going to be some strategy, base building, and weapon like crafting. But then I learned it was from just a few Google searches that it was far more than that and there was a lot of lore. And just from the vocabulary online, it made me realize like, because some of the creatures have names that were very specific and it made me realize like, Oh, there might actually be a lot more to this game, which I thought is awesome because we were in the dark for so long until we actually dove into it. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I'm glad there was like 
an actual story to this because mm-hmm. I think maybe depending on how they did it, if they just kind of sprinkled the lore here and there and you just kind of had to figure out like what the island was. Because literally, as I was saying, like I thought this was going to be just a how long can you survive kind of game. Yeah. I didn't expect there to really be a like story story i just kind of figured right, same oh you hear there's cannibals you can find your son to like get off the island which i mean you technically do that is the story but i didn't know like the in-depth i figured it was like survive as long as you can and once you had enough find your son get off the island you're done that's basically right. what i thought the game was i'm highly satisfied it was not that agreed now, if you could change something about the game, what would you change? Maybe, as much as I was talking about the lore, there was just... Oh, no. I guess this kind of goes with the lore and stuff of the like the villages and everything. Maybe something a little long about like what the cannibals are or like... I just feel, what's the purpose of those villages? Like, even once we figured out everything, like, from the ending, I'm still confused as to why certain things were placed certain places. So, like, those tents that were right outside of one of the villages, was this a resort place? Because I thought this was supposed to be some kind of super secret government type thing but then you find hikers you find like bodies that been there longer than the plane crash so you can't tell me every body literally every body was from the plane crash so i guess i just want something to explain the environment a little more of like why we found everything because if it's just oh there are people from the plane crash i feel like that's kind of a cop-out and i'm just really confused because because the lore is so good at the end but it makes it feel like it's supposed to be a super secret organization or stuff like that obviously they were trying to get people to do this because they were like oh the parents will pay tons of money to get their kids so like were they very public about it did they just fly people in here? Like, were the parents going on hiking trips while their kids were being experimented on? Like, what? What is like? Why? I could probably argue that some of those tents were may have been just hikers that happened to come in at the wrong place, at the wrong time. But a few of them may have been other plane crashes because it's not necessarily. It's not necessarily the case that our plane is the only plane that has crashed because in the sinkhole, there's a helicopter, which could have been a cause of another sacrifice. And maybe they brought down other planes, but they landed in the water or something. So there's no wreckage to be seen. So it may be other plane crashes. But like you said, like there'd be nice to be a little more info because as far as we can see, we're the only plane that crashed. So where did these the other wreckage go? So the only thing I can argue about the water is because I was reading some theories and someone said the exact same thing. 
the only issue with that is that if there were multiple planes, one, if it crashed in the water, it would highly, you reduce the likelihood of survivors. So you wouldn't want to crash it um, there. I think I read, I mean, I don't know if that's actually true. I'm pretty sure water crashes are more survivable due to less damage to the plane because when you land in water, it's much safer than if you were to land on land where it would just kind of crumble and crash. I don't know. I'm not a plane expert, so I don't know. <laughs> Take that with a grain of salt. But I think water landings are safer than a land landing. And the other oh, issue yeah. with the multiple plane crash theory is that the if someone is like crashing down, like if it shows its power or whatever, a lot of people... Like, the first instance when a plane loses power is the radio end, like, mayday, mayday, or falling down. So, if multiple planes were lost in this specific spot, an investigation team would have been easily sent here. If, Hold like, on. More than... Maybe this device is some way of interrupting radio frequencies. Maybe it destroyed the black box so they can't locate the planes. They just know it went down somewhere. Because even now, planes go down and they just vanish. So maybe it was just like one of those scenarios. Then how did we get rescued? Well, that... I don't know. <laughs> because even if there was like a mystery... Like if like the black box did whatever, if someone looked into it and like looked like, oh, but only planes going this course disappeared... So it's like, okay, well, there's something obviously going on. There would still be, I feel like, investigation. Plus, there would definitely be more wreckage if this was a, like, constant thing. Especially with how many sick kids there would have been. And they needed so many, like, sacrifices. There would have you know, been a lot more plane crashes, listen, I feel. Listen, it's a video game, kid. Get over it. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to give alternatives, alternative theories. All right. Well, what would you have changed? <laughs> so, the one thing that is my biggest pet peeve is we have no real connection or motivation for us to look for our child. I mean, just from the beginning of this episode, we called him Tommy. Like I called him a Tommy a few times. We have no real bond. Sure, the beginning of the the game shows the kid and I don't know what we're supposed to base an emotional or how we're supposed to base an emotional connection off of four seconds of non-dialogue screen time. The only motivation we have is a journal that says, look for Timmy. If it wasn't for that, I would have no idea who the fuck Timmy even is because I remember the first time I played, I I didn't know who he was until I rewatched the intro and I'm like, oh, it's probably that kid that who's next to me. So this alone is an issue, but on top of that, at the end of the game, we're supposed to choose whether to save him or let him stay dead. But again, we have no connection to him, so it's not really much of a moral dilemma. Like, obviously it is because we're going to be sacrificing some other child, but there's nothing really saying like, yeah, we could do it, or no, we shouldn't. There's nothing there to say to have us have this moral confliction to say, I don't want to bring him back because what if he's 
remembers it all. What if this? What if that? There's no true consequence because if I really liked this kid, it might be morally, it might make me feel morally superior, I guess, to say, to think I would be sparing him by letting him stay dead. Like I would be sacrificing my life staying on the island and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. Just nothing really solidifies this child to you. So I don't know. It's just like this moral conundrum that I don't think really was fleshed out. That's what I would change. Some sort of gameplay that would draw that connection, make it more difficult in the end. I think an easy way to fix that is when you find the different pieces of the toy robot or whatever it gave you like a cinema flashback of like memories you had with your child Mm. it could even that would be good flashbacks are really difficult to do well i feel like so one way they probably could have done that because you do have a camcorder so maybe you find like your pieces of your luggage where you look at your camcorder and you're actually able to look at memories from your past of you and timmy together just drawing that that connection that'd be cool yeah that might have been yeah something along the lines that like collecting stuff and you Mm -hmm. you would get like flashback well not like you said not necessarily flashbacks but then it slowly starts so the more you explore instead of finding him the more mementos you find and then eventually like i we need to find him now like i'm actually starting to miss him and he's not even my child Exactly. But yeah. Just something to just bring you in to accepting that you need to find him because there's just nothing there. And that kind of annoyed me. Well, other than yeah. that, great game. Yeah, that it kind of just with that with a lot of the to-do lists. It's just kind of like, oh, it's there. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, but I will give them credit for making such a successful game with absolutely no story-driven focus. Yeah, for surprisingly... For especially the and it's also like a no tutorial thing. Like maybe I guess the beginning where it's like, oh, you're hungry, eat, and it shows you like all that stuff. But like other than that, it was just like, okay, you're literally in the wild. It doesn't let you know anything about the cannibals. Like it tells mm-hmm. you nothing. So then you're literally just thrown into this island, like you would be if you were actual plain survivor. Right. All right, so we have a little bit of time left. Um, do you want to talk about some cannibals and mutants that we kind of brushed over? Yeah, we finally get to talk some more about what we were talking about. So the main inhabitants, I guess you could say, are the cannibals. And there are about six different cannibals. Yeah, the skinny ones, which are exactly... Are those the crawlers? The skinny ones are... Um, the ones you experience right in the beginning who are kind of like malnourished, but they, oh, um, yeah. there's a skinny of each type of them. I re- so, now I remember yeah. they're like the weakest ones though. Yeah. So then you have the regular ones, which are the ones that look almost exactly like people, but bald. You have the pale tint, blue tinted ones that are a little bit stronger and they uh, they like to go. <laughs> you have Very accurate. 
<laughs> Thank you. Um, you have the painted ones, which are, I don't know if it's like for like tribal marks or if they're just like, I found paint. I'm not <laughs> entirely sure, but I think they're, I think it's more like of a tribal thing because normally the painted ones are typically stronger and are like the ones leading the group. Then you have, I guess the fire ones. It's these people who like stole the tennis racket from, I guess the, there was tennis players on our plane, but then like sets the tennis balls on fire and then hits them at you, which can be scary in a few situations. <laughs> and then you have the masked ones, which are like the pale ones, but have a human face over yeah, their it's face. It's pretty disgusting. There's really nothing about them besides the fact that they're just like, oh, we have a human face over our head. Fear us. It's really quite disturbing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so those are all the regular ones. So now we can get into the fun ones. Now this is where your bets come into play. It's what? Said this is where your bets come into play from earlier. Yeah. RMZ. Wow, RMZ. What is so special about him or her, honestly? So, as the name suggests, this mutant has a ton of arms. Whoever had arms, whoever placed the bets on arms is the winner. It is taller than regular mutants, and it is much stronger. It can destroy buildings and trees in one to two hits and can kill the player just as fast. On top of being powerful, its presence is easily noticed by its loud roar and growl. So when these show up, shit's about to get real, and you will know it. Which, they can also be found in caves. And I don't know which day they start to spawn. I think day 14, or maybe it's day 7. They will start to spawn on the surface world, and you have to protect your base from these awful creatures. The next one is called the Virginia, or as we like to call, legs. Virginia is the counterpart of RMZ and has many legs instead of arms. It appears to be a few like bodies merged together. Its strength rivals that of RMZ's, and it can also jump a great distance to attack the player. So you kind of have to be a little careful with fighting it. And unlike RMCs, the Virginias are a bit more silent and difficult to notice. They kind of make quiet hissing noises. But Virginias are able to spawn mutant babies, which may help give her position away. But early on, she doesn't. So sometimes she just fucking comes out of nowhere and scares the living shit out of you. (laughs) Especially if it's your first time in a fucking cave and all you hear is, and then it just jumps at you like a fucking spider yeah it really does look like a spider too which is really creepy i think we'll we'll, i'll ask you once we get down later maybe i'll put that as a question of the day so before i move on to the next person one thing that we haven't figured out or we'd never realized because it never appeared for us but virginia and armsy has a blue variant so as Ooh, we said above that, that we, there's pale mutants, which are like a bluish, bluish person. 
The RMZ in Virginia also have a blue version of themselves, which is extremely powerful and faster. So I'm really glad we never discovered them. I am too. So the other mutant is called Cowman, which we like to call Elephant because he is a just a fat motherfucker. The Cowman just has two arms and two legs, but it's very noticeable how fat he is. He's very overweight, hence the name Elephant we gave him. Despite its size and weight, it is extremely fast and difficult to avoid. Similar to Virginia, it can also jump incredible heights and attack the player. Cowman is the rarest of the creepy mutants. Which, at this point, now that I'm saying that, because I was reading this off the wiki at one point, I don't think that's true, uh, given the one that comes after uh, the one that we're going to talk about two from now. Maybe so, it doesn't count. It, maybe that one's its own special one then, and it's just counting between Cowman, Virginia's, and Armsy's. Yeah, between like the Armsy, Virginia, Cowman. Yeah, because if it's so, that, then yeah, I, I would yeah, believe for that. for sure. Um, this mutant can also typically be heard before it is seen due to its loud thudding footsteps. So this one was fun, but it was so incredibly hard to avoid because of how fucking fast it was. Hmm. Okay. Oh, well, the last few minutes are going to be on my laptop. I don't care about that. I'm not about to fucking stop and export it and have hmm. another third one. So next, yeah. <laughs> next of the creepy mutants or whatever would be the mutant baby. Mutant babies can be typically found, mostly found, in cave systems. But after a few days of cannibal confrontation, babies can also appear on the surface. Mostly with the Virginia, but they... And oh, God. Almost never, like, alone unless you're in a cave. But they will throw themselves in through the air at the player, dealing damage upon impact. Of course, not very much damage. And they can also be killed with one hit from just about any weapon. Yeah, they make this really weird, like, squealing sound as they fly through the air, too. The next one, we have never encountered because it only appears after you have beaten the game. And after day 40. Or actually, no, 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 no. This one, this one can appear after day 40. The next one appears after the game is beat. Sorry. So this one is called Worm. It's also known as John. One of the... This is one of the two most recent mutants added to the game. It is found in groups of 30, about 30. And they have several forms. The Worm can take the form of a tripod, which is its walking form, a flying form, a tower form, and a swarm form. All of these different links... So, since there's 30 of them, they form one giant creature, which is the worm. All of these individual links must be killed individually for it to truly die, or else it will multiply itself again and just come back to life. It can destroy structures very easily, and even reaching structures that are normally out of reach for other mutants and cannibals. So, this is potentially one of the most dangerous creatures in the game due to its ability to self-heal 
and replicate. I'm not mistaken, when we beat the game and I saved it, we were on day like 40 or 41. So we like just missed oh, out God. on that. <laughs> Shit. Another thing about John or the worm is we actually discovered him when we were beating the game because we were going through the nursery areas and we found that that slug looking thing where I'm like, oh, look at this slug. It was on a bed and the bed was labeled John. So it must have been some sort of clone of that slug, which goes into the lore a little bit. Hmm. Now that I now remember that, because you're like, hey, come look at John. And I'm like, what? Who's John? <laughs> and then the last mutant would be the girl. The girl mutant is one of the final, it's the final creepy mutant that you can encounter in the game. It can only spawn. If the player completes the ending in which they continue playing. So you did the emergency shutdown. Its behavior is and appearance is that of the girl identical to the end boss. But instead has the colors of a regular creepy mutant. Luckily its health is less than that. Less than half of that of the end boss. Because it was a, it was the health of the end boss. Oh woo! my god. That That'd motherfucker be would be hard to kill. But it's just like it, and as in it's very difficult to stop at close range, and then upon killing the girl mutant, a single worm is created and must be dealt with quickly to stop it from multiplying. So it's basically God. like two mutants in one. How awful would that be? You killed the girl, didn't realize a worm came out of it, and then you have to deal with fucking John attacking your base immediately after using all your ammo on the girl. That, that honestly would suck. <laughs> I think I would be more uh, weird at the fact that I was like, oh, there's a girl, like, what, what, what is she doing here? I would feel, I would be like so nervous because I'm like, uh, uh. Right. <laughs> So one thing that I was looking at when I was looking up these creatures, because obviously I we never encountered Worm or the girl, but I was looking at it, and then I found some interesting thing about Cowman. So apparently there's no true lore on him because within the lore we learned about Armsy and Virginia because they were experiments in the facility. But Cowman is not in any of the PowerPoints or presentations that we see. So it is assumed that cowman is zachary which we can see zachary on a milk carton when you go to the yacht that's just off the coast which is kind of cool because it says this boy's missing and they assume that because the boy is a heavier build so he kind of looks very similar to cowman but there's also a few theories that cowman may actually be the mutant babies fully matured and grown so a few little things there that are kind of interesting. That is interesting. I never really gave thought of that. Yeah, there's so much lore in this game. Just going through and digging in, like there's a lot of stuff that people are relating oh, yeah. to each other. Especially if you're trying to like find all the collectibles and everything. Mm -hmm. So to wrap things up, though, because we could probably talk about another hour on different theories for this yeah, game. Yeah, this, one, this one's breezing. Like, I could keep going, especially into the lore, which we could talk about if you guys really want. I was going to say, this could be another, we could episode. come back to this game and literally just talk about the lore, different theories behind what happened on here and everything. 
but, but going, not today. Yeah, not today. My question of the day, it's another two questions because one I kind of want to ask you. One is kind of basic. Would you have chose to bring back your son if you knew it had to cost an innocent child's life? Because it does say it has to be a child. So it would be an innocent child. Or would you have done the emergency shutoff? The second one, this is kind of more for people who have played the game. Who do you find is either like the scariest or maybe the hardest of the like mutants to fight against? Hmm. So just answering that, I would do the emergency shutdown because I don't like kids anyway. Just quick, plain, simple to the point. <laughs> and I have wait. You don't a... like kids, so you do. Oh, because you didn't. You wouldn't care about bringing your kid back. Yeah, too much responsibility. So at that point, I'm a free man in a forest. <laughs> uh, and my other answer, I th- so we haven't faced the girl outside of the end boss, but I think she would be the most difficult because she's just so hard to hit. Because you yeah. can't go close range, and it's really hard to hit her with like arrows and Molotovs. What about you? I honestly, I would probably still do the plain thing. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> depending depending on it's depending hard how much you like, liked your kid during here i'm just like if it was here like if i like did this if i with the little information i know about my son from this game if that was how like our relationship would be i honestly i would probably do the emergency shut off because i'm like i don't feel that attached to him at least from what the lord gave mm-hmm. me but i kind of just wanted to be like nope bringing the son back but if it was real life, I honestly, I could see myself doing that, bringing, uh, bringing my son back. But for me, yeah, like, in terms of difficulty, I feel like definitely the girl, just because you have to fight the worm as well. But since we haven't really fought the worm all that much, out of the ones we've mostly fought, I would say Virginia, just because a lot of times... They just come out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And can easily get a jump on it. And if you're not paying attention, they can leap farther than you think. Mm-hmm. Because like one of the like second first or second fight, I think the first fight on the surface, I was like shooting her with arrows, thinking I was safe. And then all of a sudden I see its front two legs come and I thought it was just gonna chase you. And then it just fucking jumps at me, and I was like, holy fuck fuck it like that and it reminds me of a spider so it's kind of (laughs) creepy yeah if i had to go off of things that we have fought already mine would definitely be virginia as well for all the same reasons not to mention i feel like because they're so often like yeah you could learn to fight against them but sometimes if there's like two of them two or three of them like i don't i almost rather fight two armsies than two virginias because armsies are a little slower the cowmans are like yeah, they're fast, but even if they hit you to knock you down, they don't do too much damage. You just have to avoid the body slam. So like going yeah. off of all that, Virginia's. Agreed. All right, so I think that wraps it up. So I'm gonna end with a few facts. A cannibal that used to be, there used to be a dynamite mutant that lasted one version. 
it went from version 0.28 to 0.28D. So it didn't even make it out of this version. And basically it was just a, a mutant or a cannibal actually that threw dynamite at you. And they took it out because the after playtesting it, they found out it wasn't really fair or fun in its current state. So they wanted to try to make him more challenging and fun, but obviously it didn't work out, so they scrapped the, the mutant altogether. Another fun fact is, in Cave 7, a tennis racket can be found and used as a weapon. So you see a lot of tennis rackets all over the place in this game, like down people's throats and as just brutal spears, basically, and effigies. I, basically, you see them as a torture device, but you can get back at them by using the tennis racket as a weapon. And after you grab it, certain cannibals will actually start spawning with tennis rackets as weapons as well. So that's a fun little thing. I did not know that. And I didn't either until I uh, did some research on it. <laughs> and then finally, mutants in the beginning of the game are not always immediately hostile, as I mentioned before, but they will see you wearing armor as a threat and attack if you wear armor. So early game, best if you don't wear armor until the mutants get aggressive. That's also how you can do it. And I guess there's like a vegan mode or something where you don't kill cannibals, where you don't kill anything, and you don't eat cannibals meat or anything like that. You survive <laughs> off of berries and stuff. That'd be so difficult. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, that's it for this episode. So if you guys have any questions, concerns, or recommendations for future episodes, feel free to email us at weepspawn.gmail.com as well as follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weepspawn. That'll be all from us. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we'll see you guys next time when we Weepspawn. <laughs>